general nerdery. After we finished recording last episode, you looked at me and you're like, man, maybe next time we can have like an episode that's within our proposed time frame for editing purposes. Because Lord knows we have not had a short episode in about three years. <laughs> um, but unfortunately, Tyler, unfortunately here, we are about to talk about the world's longest fucking movie. So, you know, you know, I think it I think we are. It behooves us. To make the world's most... No, I'm not even going to finish that sentence. Please, not a three-hour podcast. No, um... Fucking uh, Snyder Cut was longer. Yeah, and it felt like it, too. I'm... I just, <laughs> um, welcome to General Nerdery, your podcast about liking things. We're your generals of nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. And I'm actually very happy with this movie. The, the, my grumpiness aside, um, <laughs> I have not slept in, like, three days. I have slept, but not slept mm. um, so this should be fun yeah but, uh real quick before we dive into stuff feels goofy to do this on our like six listeners podcast but i want to dedicate this podcast to both george perez and neil adams because they are fucking legends of the field and we have lost both of them in the last month and it's kind of fucked me up yeah um that sucks george perez we've talked about before he you know, we did Crisis on Infinite Earths. We did a two-parter on Crisis on Infinite Earths. That's him. Mm -hmm. uh, and Neil Adams is why the movie that we watched for this episode exists. Yes. And ties into kind of what I've been ingesting, because part of what I did this weekend was listen to five hours of interviews <laughs> with so Neil Adams. Much. I haven't done that yet, but... Um, <laughs> well, let's dive in. Let's just... Uh, uh, yeah. No, first, I, I agree. Goodbye. Goodbye, Neil. Goodbye, George. But yeah, so ingested lately. Uh, well, we we didn't record our last normal recording time. That's my fault. So it's still mostly been Elden Ring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but as you saw when you came in, I've been bombing around with Hellboy. So that's why. I, I would also. Now we just need to get fucking what's his name? Um, Ron Perlman. Yes, thank you. Um, I was that was very embarrassing. <laughs> fucking love Ron Perlman. But beyond Elden Ring, uh, I did go see The Northman. How was it? I know I've, you've been very excited I've about very this. I very much enjoyed it. Um, of the three Robert Eggers flicks that are out, I don't know if he had any before The Witch, but... Um, Northman, you know, The Witch, and what's the one I'm... The Lighthouse. Oh. Oh, fucking duh. It's probably my second favorite. I think The Witch is still my favorite. And really? The Lighthouse is... A masterpiece, but it is just so niche. <laughs> <laughs> the target audience is people who want to see Robert Pattinson beat a seagull to death. Yeah. Um, it's a masterpiece. It is interesting. It, and it is pretty and just masterfully done rather than like, ooh, I enjoy watching this. I do love it, though. I love all three, but yeah, uh, Northman is, in my opinion, his most straightforward and kind of simplest. And I guess, like, minor spoiler, but not really, because once you're actually watching the movie, they don't try to hide it one bit. Uh, it's just if Hamlet was told as a revenge tale. Isn't that just kind of what Hamlet... But no, more like straight-ahead revenge. Oh, okay. Not so much like, I'm going to pretend like I'm crazy and, like... I'm going to fucking murder you. Well, Hamlet is actually based off a real story that this is also based off of, isn't it? Or am I making that up? 
I don't know if this is based off of a story so much as it was written to be like it could be the story that Hamlet was based off of, if that makes sense. Okay. I'm never fully sure on those because Shakespeare... But I'm also not positive on that. I haven't looked up a lot behind the writing of this story. Well, and Shakespeare st- tended to... I, I'm pretty sure Hamlet is based off a real story with just some names tweaked. Uh, yep. well, Shakespeare the, loved to do that. Well, the main character in uh, The Northman is Amleth. So not they're really so. not trying to hide it <laughs> one bit. Um, no, it was super pretty, though, and super good, and I can't wait to watch it again. It is, it is an easier watch than either of the other two, even if I still might like The Witch a little bit more. Uh, Amleth is a figure in a medieval Scandinavian legend, the direct inspiration for the character of Prince Hamlet, the hero of William Shakespeare's tragedy, Hamlet, Prince of Denmark. Oh, dope. Okay. The chief authority for the legend of Amleth is Saxo Grammaticus. I'm not going to keep reading this Wikipedia article, but, uh, okay, so. So, yeah, it is. It is the. Works for me. A retelling of the story that Hamlet was based off of. I, I heard this thing once of Shakespeare is the greatest writer of someone else's story of all time. <laughs> and it has kind of stuck with me because he didn't write. I mean, he wrote some original stuff, but like a lot of his greatest works were, well, that king. Mm-hmm. He, this really happened. Let me tell my take on it. Uh, other than those two things, I have uh, one episode left in the first season of The Outlaws on Amazon Prime. Have you heard of this show? I don't know this one. This is a fucking series with Stephen Merchant and Christopher Walken. What? (laughs) (laughs) It's, um, I would describe it as a, a thriller comedy. Comedy thriller. I'm into it. It's about, well, it's kind of just like about this group of people that have to all do community service together because they all got fucking busted doing something uh, over in England. Except then, like, one of them has gang ties. And although he's actually a pretty good guy and is trying to get out of it, the gang has something on him. So they make him do a stick up and money gets involved that gets hidden at the place. That some of the others then find and spend. Whoops. <laughs> Whoops. Which is kind of where all the thriller aspect of it comes as the season goes on. But maybe comedy a little bit first and foremost. Kind of okay. seems like it's going to be more of a dramedy, but it's more just like comedic dramas. Like Thrilling? all these characters kind of comedy. interact. It's fucking fantastic. Uh Steve Merchant acts and is one of the writers and is maybe my favorite character on it so far as just a fucking useless corporate lawyer that knows he's a useless corporate lawyer and just sad sacks his way through life. It's amazing. Nice. Let's see. We're still watching through Star Trek Discovery. We are... I don't think we'll finish season two after I record tonight, but we'll get pretty close. I've seen it before. Grizzly is not my roommate. And since Strange New Worlds just launched last week, we wanted to get we needed to get him through this first. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think need, but don't hurt. Like because it's where Anson Mount, you know, earned the show. It's still really fucking good. It's actually better the second time around. I think because I'm catching more things. We are watching through Castlevania. I am almost through the final season. Oh, season sweet. four. 
I'm not. Fu- I, I'm in the second half of season four. I'm not 100 okay. percent sure how many episodes are left. Isaac and Hector have just met up again. Yeah, I'm not that far yet. Oh like, shit! I, I never sat back and actually got got through it, so I knew that happens again. Okay. Uh, what I'll say on this is the characters. Okay, so like the 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 main three heroes, they're fun, they're great, mm-hmm. whatever. The villain that I thought was going to be the most interesting, Carmilla, Carnilla, not Carmilla. Carnilla has become the least interesting villain to me out of the, or one of the least interesting, which is kind of a bummer. And the ones that I found super boring, who were Oscar, or Isaac and mm-hmm. Oscar, Isaac and Hector, <laughs> have become the most compelling members of the show. Okay. Like when I see people who aren't those two, I'm like, yep, that's great. Belmont's drunk and wants to kill something. Let's fucking go back to those two. <laughs> um, I mean, I know you already had watched most of the series. I know you didn't finish season four. Uh, I would recommend it. It's worth it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely going to get there at some point. I just, at this point, I really want to rewatch season one and two because it's been so long. Yeah. The fact that I've done all of it within the last year has definitely made it easier. Mm -hmm. Uh, Although there's still a few people that I'm like, who the fuck is that? And she's like, come on, man. (laughs) You've been in every season. Um uh, and then let's see. Oh, I've been reading some, no, I'll save that for last. Uh, I discovered this podcast yesterday and I have listened to all of it so far. There's only like 10 episodes, so that's not remarkable, but it is called Scoundrel History's Forgotten Villains by Jason and Carissa Weiser. Have you ever heard of the Myths and Legends podcast? Mm-mm. Okay. It's, uh, it was one of those podcasts that came out like re- when the bubble was really hitting of like, you know, lore was coming out. Welcome to Night Vale oh, okay. was really yeah, yeah, big. Yeah. Uh, it's at the, like, 200 mark now. And it's everything it promises to be. Myths and Legends just is a guy going back to, like, the oldest version of a legend. So, like, early Robin Hood stories. Mm-hmm. But then telling it through... When I say a modern lens, him being a smartass. And Scoundrel is kind of the same thing, except it's not written by him, but it's, you know... He's a good narrator, mm-hmm. and it's his wife, who's his producer, narrating with him, and it's about people like, the most recent episode, which I think was the worst episode, but it was still pretty well done, was Belle Gunnis, the woman who killed husbands and fed her to the ho- fed them to the hogs. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, Sidney Gottlieb was one, the guy who ran MK Ultra. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, George Remus, who was the inspiration for the Great Gatsby. Oh, okay. Some woman who was a uh, nun who got into an affair with some dude and, like, eight people died as a result. Wow. Sister Mariana. Like, and it's, you know, as some of them I had, like, Belle Gunness I had heard of because I like serial killer stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Gatsby guy, I knew the name, but I didn't really know any of the, like, details. But most of these, oh, and Gottlieb I'd heard of, but uh, like most of these are people that I only kind of know, and I only kind of know them because I like history podcasts. So it was really fun. And then my last one, I'm sure I've mentioned these before, but I was after watching the Batman for this, I started reading the Matt Wagner Batman Year One era stories. Okay. So Batman... um, and the Mad Monk and Batman and Curse of the Monstermen. I have those backwards in which order they came out, but... Uh, but those two. Yeah. 
uh, Curse of the Monster Men is based off the first Hugo Strange issue, which was like 12 pages long, that first story, and Matt Wagner brings it into like a six-issue epic. Mm-hmm. And then Mad Monk is the follow-up, which is the last time Batman ever uses a gun in the original comics. Oh, wow. Because okay. Batman carried a gun for a right. long time. And then his romantic interest girlfriend, who I don't remember her name because she's not very important to the Batman mythos, uh, gets kidnapped by a werewolf man that calls himself the monk who wears basically a red Klansman outfit. Wow. (laughs) Kidnaps her. Dude, fucking early Batman stories are out of this fucking world. (laughs) Um, And afterwards, she becomes leaves Bruce and becomes a nun. That's wild. And he okay. like kills her with the, or not her. He kills the monk with the silver bullets and was like, never again. Mostly because an editor was like, you guys are killing a lot of people in these <laughs> comics. We have to like tone it. But I mean, the very first Batman appearance, he watches a guy named Dr. Death fall into a pit of acid and then just stands watching going an appropriate death for Dr. Death. Okay. Kind of. <laughs> Well, I just think it's kind of funny because in probably what we think of as the happiest version of Batman with the 1966 series, the first episode is maybe one of the only ones where someone dies and she like falls into the nuclear pile that like they have at like the Batcave. Oh, that's a not good. Wait, they have a nuclear waste pile at the Batcave? Something, something <laughs> like that. And he's and, and fucking Bruce like. What a way to go, go. Oh, God. Adam. Adam. I know you didn't write that, but I know the way that you delivered that. Um, oh, God. So, yeah. Anyway. These stories, I mean, we've ta- we've both talked about Matt Wagner before. We still want to do a Grendel, Grendel. series, but we keep getting intimidated because we both really like Grendel. This is him at, in my opinion, some of his best because it is... He's got the right blend between, like, superhero and pulp character that was the early Batman appearances. And, I mean, it's got stuff, like, he works in year one stuff, like uh, Boss Falcone and Sal Maroney and those characters Mm -hmm. that first appeared in Frank Miller's year one and are in this Batman movie from here. But also there's Hugo Strange turning people into monster men or a strange werewolf monk man. Yeah, that's wild. It does what my one critique of this movie, what I wish this movie had world had set up. Uh, but I'll explain that when we get to the movie. There's something else we both ingested. Yeah. Moon Knight finished. Yeah. And well, we're, I know we're going to eventually go into it further over um, on one of our other podcasts. But, but it did just finish. And I was kind of living for it lately. No, I actually have really enjoyed Moon Knight. And they took some real liberties with the character, but Moon Knight... Is such an oh yeah no none of it felt wildly out and Moon Knight is such an uneven character that none of it made me mad right like when Moon Knight comics are good they're some of the best comics Marvel puts out but they can be bad very easily and like this is I don't think this is the best show Marvel has put out but I really liked it. Give Oscar Isaac multiple acting awards for his multiple roles. I, I did read a thing that was like, as opposed to a superhero acting, 
uh, epic. This was mostly just an Oscar Isaac acting exercise. Yeah, especially in those last couple episodes where they were having him switch like in frame more often rather mm-hmm. than a cut for a switch. Oh god, yeah, that final bit, that final episode where he was just swapping back and forth mm-hmm. between the two. Holy shit. Jesus, that's that can't be easy. Uh I mean because his whole body language changes just immediately. Yeah. And then minor spoilers. We finally got Jake. <laughs> <laughs> And in the final episode, it gave me what I wanted the whole time, Mr. Knight, the Mr. Knight persona, actually being cool. Yeah. Because the Mr. Knight persona is my favorite Moon Knight persona. Like, my favorite part of Moon Knight is when he puts on the white uh, white suit and just beats people with chair legs. Mm-hmm. Like, also, fucking, I don't, I can't remember her name, and I don't think they ever gave her a superhero na- name. But, oh, Layla. Uh, Layla, fucking... That was cool. That was cool. What if she was the Egyptian falcon? Is like, I didn't know I needed that in my life, but let's do this. Yeah, that was fucking dope. <laughs> um, that last episode, they got a lot done for it being the shortest episode of the series. I will say, the part of the reason they did that is they felt no need to wrap up anything. Oh, no. Yeah. It's not if Moon Knight's going to continue. It's how at this point. But that's not for sure. Oscar Isaac, I know, but like, let's be fair here. Oscar Isaac is not on contract for anything else. There's no season two. There's no movie. There's no confirmed he's going to appear somewhere else. So theoretically, this could be it. And honestly, despite the fact that it wraps nothing up, I wouldn't be unhappy if it was all we got because... Them wrapping it up like that says to me that they're, he might not officially be on contract, but they're at a phase where they're just deciding on a number rather than whether they're saying yes or no. Mm, I No, I think there will be more. I want there to be more, but I'm just like thinking about it. The way this show did of like, all right, let's drop you in out of nowhere and then let's bust out and like bust out without solving anything kind of fits like this. We are getting one moment in time of this wild fucking life of this guy. And it kind of, I think it would work on its own, even if they never mentioned Moon Knight again. But if Oscar Isaac's willing to come back, then they should fucking do that. Also, I want him in the goddamn Midnight Suns. I want the Black Knight Blade and Moon Knight to fucking hang out yes. in the Midnight Suns together. Yes. Which is funny because only one of the three were in the original Mid- Midnight Suns, but it's perfect. All of those choices are just top notch. I agree. Uh, pull over, um, homie from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., give us the modern Robbie Ghost Riders. Oh, part I haven't of seen it. those episodes with him, but I've heard they're good. He was going to get a TV show at one point. Yeah, he was going to get a TV show at one point. Um, And then fucking put in Luke Cage. I don't care. Yeah. Just why not? (laughs) Or, um, I don't... Not Jared Leto. Morbius does not need to be in this version of the Midnight Suns. No, but I was going to say Charlie Cox. Daredevil. Charlie Cox would be... I just... We have confirmed we're getting more Charlie Cox as Daredevil. I want confirmation that we're getting more Luke Cage. I'm blanking that actor's name. Um, I can never remember his name, but he's awesome. I'll look it up. Mike Coulter. Thank you. I need Mike Coulter back. I don't, I wouldn't be mad if we got, what is it, Kristen Ritter as Jessica Jones back, or even what's his name as Iron Fist. I don't feel the need for those two as strongly. 
And I don't want to insult, especially Jessica Jones. Now, it's going to be fun, though, because Luke and Blade will have to be from different universes. Because in Luke Cage, Mahershala Ali already played Cottonmouth. No, we should just not <laughs> talk about it. We should just what, pull Cottonmouth the f- was the best part of that first yes, season. Yes, he was. I'm not... But, you know, that's why... You could have a throwaway line of, like, you look like someone I used to know, and then fucking move on from it. One of the smartest things I felt they ever did was in Iron Man 2, when they uh, changed the actor for Rhodey. The first time we see Rhodey, he goes, I'm here, it's me, get over it. And it, like, works in the scene, but also is the, like, fans shut the fuck up. And then they moved on from it. Like, we have recasted before, we don't need to make a big deal about it every other time. But it's recasting is not the same as using the same actor in two different roles. Sure, but like, okay. Now, admittedly, I grew up on Star Trek, where fucking Jeffrey Combs has played 12 different roles. I think it's actually only eight, but still, my point. <laughs> like, Well, I mean, like, my first Kevin Smith movie was Jan Silent Bob Strike Back, where Jason Lee and fucking Ben Affleck... plays three each. roles in one movie. Yeah. Um... <laughs> But I, Affleck too. I just like I feel like it would get too in the weeds to be like, oh, Blades from this universe and Luke Cage transferred over from. This oh no, universe. I think that's exactly where we're going with everywhere. God, I'm so. I'm I never sorry. thought I'd say I'm bored with multiverse, but like that Loki already said this has already been a thing. It's a variance. People are using the term variant just as part of their like nomenclature now. Great. I just don't think it needs to be used for everything. But if it's technically true, they're going to use it. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, this is the uh, the canonicity of those movies of those shows are still really up in the air, anyways. Well, I'm pretty sure the Good Lawyer in No Way Home is already a variant. I still haven't seen No Way Home, so I, I knew he appears in that. But yeah. Um. Anyways, on to the. Trailer park, I guess. We still don't have a good name for this, but we've watched some trailers for this. Yeah, some trailers came out. Which order do we want to do them in? We're already talking Marvel. Let's bash out the two Marvel ones. All right, so... Uh, Miss Marvel and Thor Love and Thunder. Thor Love and Thunder came out first, because we haven't recorded in like a month. That's, again, my fault. <laughs> this is the movie that I am most excited about of the stuff that we... Well, I mean, only two movies and two shows, but... um God, I loved Ragnarok so much, and this looks like it. I mean, it's not it's not going to be Ragnarok, but it's clearly not trying to be Ragnarok, but it's got some of that same chaotic fucking energy. I I mean, this trailer didn't sell me as much as the first Ragnarok trailer did. I'll agree with you on that one. Like, the needle drop was still cool, but it more has me wondering still how they're going to do it, because... There's lots of stuff that is very obviously from the Jason Aaron run. Yeah. But, um, but I mean, like, there's Thor- only so much you can fit in in a movie. But I mean, in the same route, the Thor Ragnarok had a whole bunch from fucking um, most famous Thor run of all time, Better Ray Bill. Uh, um, uh, I can't think. Walter of Simonson. Oh. Walt Simonson's run heavily influenced every aspect of Thor Ragnarok, despite the fact that it was based off of World War Hulk. Uh, And they didn't... And they, like, stole from it shamelessly, but also made it work. The only thing I can't figure out yet is where the fuck Zeus fits in in this story. 
What do you mean? Uh, in in Love and Thunder? You're right, right, right. But what do you mean, like, you can't, like... Like, okay, I can... So we have Thor not being sure who he is. Right. We have the God Butcher who's going to appear. I guess he might kill Zeus. I kind of feel with the appearance of Mighty Thor, Thor's thing is going to be less he doesn't know who he is so much as now he has to deal with not being special. Mm, okay. Somebody shows up and he doesn't have Mjolnir anymore and they do and well, that's weird. I just like of the various plot things, I'm just not quite sure where Zeus fits in because I don't think they're just target. Gonna... Yeah. Gore. I just it seems weird to be like, all right, he's the target now. And there's so many other. I think it's just a, a big I mean, name target to knock off. Fair enough. Everyone knows Zeus. Everyone knows Russell Crowe. He's the other big thunder god, lightning god, so I guess it's... And it gives good reason, or it doesn't give good reason for Hercules to be pissed off because Zeus is a shithead, but it (laughs) gives a reason for Hercules to get involved in the future if they want to. Which we still have not confirmed, but I imagine that it's... I'm going to be curious how they do Hercules because Thor is, I mean, we've mentioned it before, movie Thor is basically comic book Hercules. Yeah. Right. So how are they going to differentiate him? Well, they'll just make movie Hercules the Lobo version of movie <laughs> Thor. I thought you were going to say he'll become comic book Thor, so suddenly he'll be like super formal and shit. Or they could uh, go that, that way That would with be it. so wild to watch. I still just like... Uh, fingers crossed that if they're ever bringing Hercules, I think it'd be awesome to have Henry Cavill, but... Henry Cavill would be good. And I think him him and Hemsworth would play awesome off each other. That'd be, but. That'd be a lot of fun, actually, yeah. Also, I'm pretty sure uh, I saw some people online, like, kind of ripping apart the design of what I think a lot of people assume is supposed to be Olympus. I don't think that city's supposed to be Olympus. I don't know. I think that city is supposed to be that, like, city of the gods from there and run. That would make sense. Oh, uh, uh, Natalie Portman looks fucking fantastic. Have you ever, have you seen any of the set photos of, uh, like, just, how swole she got? Just the one of her and Hemsworth standing mm. next to each other when he's got his new, like, fancy armor, which also looks very good, by the way. Yeah. But, God, between her and, uh, Rebecca from Ted Lasso, I've just realized I'm super into Buff Lady's arms. <laughs> <laughs> like... Yeah, I was just like, holy shit. I mentioned shit. that to my wife, and she's like, like these. And I'm like, yeah, actually, exactly like those women. <laughs> like like those. <laughs> I did marry you. Miss um, uh, Marvel, we got a second trailer for... Still looks good. I'm not still not sure how it's going to be my... If it's really going to be my thing. Like, I'm happy it's getting made, but I don't really have a connection to the character to begin with. And they're intentionally not targeting... It, at my demographic. 30-year-old males? Yeah. yeah. Um, or 30-plus-year-old yeah. males. Uh, I have always been a sucker for teen heroes, so I'm excited for more of that to be coming in, particularly with the amount that we've been kind of setting up Young Avengers. Yeah. Although they've been kind of setting up Young Avengers and setting up champions, and I assume it's going to be a conglomeration of the two different teams, which is fine. That it That's would fine be... because they're probably going to be facing a combination of the Thunderbolts and the Dark Avengers. Yes, and it would be really weird to do two team teams simultaneously. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to actually getting some teen characters again, because I know we got Spider-Man, but 
Maybe it's because Spider-Man was an adult by the time that I started reading him. Mm. I have I don't view Spider-Man as the teen superhero that a lot of other people do, but you know, Miss Marvel, Ironheart, uh um Speed and Wiccan who are showing signs of uh Well in Spider-Man Spider-Man suffers from being too big. Mm-hmm. He can't just be the teen superhero. Mm-hmm. Even when that is what he is, because he's so popular, he has to appear in 15 books, even if it's just for a fucking panel or two. Well, and he was, at the time, the only teen superhero. So he still, when he dealt with other heroes, he dealt with the big boys. Mm-hmm. Like, the closest other thing we had was Johnny Storm of the Fantastic Four, and they were like, you know, 17 and 18 respectively in those early comics, and and bickering with one another Kamala feels 16 in this Mm -hmm. and one thing that I like is that the teen heroes largely thanks to like books like the teen titans but I mean Marvel does it too kind of develop their own subculture within the superhero universe of the the kids the same age hanging out together Mm -hmm. and form tighter bonds and I like I am looking forward to seeing that happen and this is the first step in seeing that happen if they do it also, I'm just excited to see a movie about a young how she described herself in it, the uh oh, the young remember. brown girl from Brooklyn or whatever it is. Jersey City. Jersey City. Cause I can't I can't hear her say Jersey City without thinking of the Coheed and Cambry song The Devil in Jersey City. So But uh, you know, a young girl from Jersey City Save the World. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that. But I get what you're saying. It's definitely not targeted. <laughs> Thor is be, much more targeted at us. Right, and it's going to be one of those things like, like when I went and saw Shazam, like I realized it's never going to be my favorite movie because it's just very much not made for me. Mm-hmm. But it's made for somebody, and it's lovingly made for somebody, and I was able to recognize that and be like, no, like, cool. Like, I hope this is somebody's favorite movie because somebody fucking... It deserves to be that favorite yeah. movie. Yeah. No, it, it's one of the things that you and I have talked about a lot on the show. Just because it's not for me... Whether I don't like it or I like it, but it's not my favorite because I'm not the target audience, doesn't mean it's bad. Right. I guess I, if there's one lesson to learn from the show, it's probably that. So it's it's seeming like it's probably just not going to be my thing, but I'm going to watch it. Oh, yeah. At least to check it out. Like It's one of the I'm ones curious. that I'm going to watch pretty immediate. I think I'm going to watch it as it comes out while there's others that I'm still catching up on. Um, Loki, I'm kind of at this point saving for when it comes up in Word Balloons, but mm. or New Byland. We have too many podcasts. Um, I'm still only an episode into Hawkeye, and I have to rewatch that episode because I almost fell asleep partway through it. It's because the first episode isn't very good. Episode three, where they do the car chase scene from the Matt Fraction run, mm. is where they figure their shit out. Yeah, I do want to get through it, though. I wasn't, yeah. I'm it's excited. Not terrible. It's just not very good. Like, as I said, episode three is where they figure their shit out, and then it just stays a decent quality. It's not my favorite mm-hmm. either, but, like, I started looking forward to it every week after episode three came <laughs> out. Uh, uh, Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan, that's right. I was like, what else did we watch? Because our last one will take about four seconds. So, uh, <laughs> Obi-Wan... God, my only thing that I have to say about it is a fear about it. I don't want this show to be about Darth Vader. 
Yeah, I I mean, it's obviously editing that last little bit of the trailer, but the editing makes it intimate that they're going to fight in this. And I hope they don't. I don't want them to fight in this. I hope, was... I hope they're at best in, like, like, rooms right next to each other at some point. Yeah. Maybe a glimpse of scene, but, like, that final fight scene between the two of them, which the dueling is dog shit in it, but that's okay. It was no one expected Star Wars to be anything. <laughs> um, it is definitely intimated that they have not seen each other since the day mm-hmm. that fucking Obi-Wan left him there. And I feel like having a big fight scene between the two of them in that 19 year period weakens that scene. And that scene was so well done other than the fight scene, but like the, the emotions between the actors that I really would hate to see that weekend. Here's one way I'd allow it is if it happened, if it was like an, like the Luke going in the fucking tree sequence in Dagobah where it's not something that actually happens. Yes. Okay. That's if it ends up being like a, some sort of forced dream sequence that Obi-Wan has to go through because of his guilt over what happened. That's great. That actually, I'm all into that. Like I just, yeah, I don't, I just don't want it to actually happen. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's kind of my biggest thing on this. Other than that, I don't have much to say about this one. It looks good. I'm very much looking forward to watching it. It comes out, I think, on my wife's birthday, so we know what we're going to do. I'm still worried about the possibility of helicoptering around, but whatever. Yeah. Fucking Team Rocket Sith Lords. Um. (laughs) Last trailer. Avatar, The Way of Water. Which I forgot that they were making again. Oh, just wait for the four after this. No. That's not an, that's not an exaggeration. No, I know. Because he filmed two and three back to back. And he wrote all five at the same time Ugh. with his writing team. Ugh. Okay, so. Sorry. To get, out, to, to get this up front, I did not like the first one. Oh, neither did I. Uh, it was pretty. That was about it. Uh, the reason why... Was I had one? I had a couple of friends that were too obsessed with it. One that was just like too into it in the first place, and the other one who clearly wanted to fuck the cat people and like enjoy your kink. I'm not here to shame anyone, but he brought it. He made it clear to people around him a little too much. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, like, the world was pretty, but the story was honestly beyond forgettable. I mean, it was Dances with Wolves or fucking, like, eight other movies. As the internet has pointed out in, like, variations of somebody's same fucking shower thought and or meme over the past couple of years, it was the fucking highest grossing movie in the world, and most people couldn't tell you a single fucking quote or character name from it. Sigourney Weaver was in it. I could not tell you a line from it. I know that, like, she they, they were learning how to ride things with the tail, and then it was time for them to have sex, and they, like, it was connected also the, the tail. tail. And I was like, okay, we are done. And they're like, no, it's so beautiful. And I'm like, he's fucking that horse. <laughs> um, I remember his name was Jake Sully, because Zoe Saldana continually said his full name. I, I- see you, Jake Sully. You know the one thing I remember? One, I just like Lang, like that actor who played the oh, bad yeah. guy. 
Uh, and two, the thing they were after was called fucking unobtainium. And I almost left the theater at that point, too. And it was like five minutes in. And they're like, Zach, you watch Batman. I'm like, yeah, that should tell you how bad I think this is. Um, There's a part of me, like, I like James Cameron. There's a part of me really. that hopes this movie fails so that maybe we don't have the other five visited <laughs> upon us. But it's not going to because I realized the trick of the Avatar movies is he's not going for, like, this isn't going to be for the normal movie go going audience. This is for everyone who go wants to go to the movie theater to watch a variation of Planet Earth. That's actually what I was going to say as I was watching this trailer. One, anytime humans or guns popped up, I just got annoyed because I don't give a fuck about any of that. The only way this movie would interest me is if it was just a documentary about this world and David Attenborough narrated it. I would watch. I would, I'd be so much more interested in that. I would watch the shit out of that. <laughs> I would be so much more interested in that. Side note: A new. It's not. It, it's in the kind of Planet Earth series, but it's basically dino. What the fuck? Walking with dinosaurs from twenty mm. years ago, but it's prehistoric planet, and it's David Attenborough narrating it, and it's everything we know about dinosaurs today. Okay. And holy fuck, it looks good. And it's going to piss off people because it's got the kind of like chunky feathery T-Rexes that we think they look like today and not the like vacuum shrinked mm -hmm. Jurassic Park T-Rex, which looks cool, but also clearly needs to eat more because it has no muscle mass on it. Uh, but also when the fucking Avatar trailer dropped, I just saw somebody online throw out this comment and I ceased being able to be a rational human for a little bit. I just lost it. It was fucking James Cameron is to water what Quentin Tarantino is to feed. Oh, God. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest problem this movie is going to have, because, I mean, it does look pretty, but the old one was revolutionary. In the ways that it was pretty. Exactly. What is this one doing new? That this one is not. It it does what the other one did better. The problem is the other one was revolutionary in its prettiness, but it never looked quite real. Mm -hmm. Well, this one looks pretty fucking real. But I can just go watch Planet Earth 2 again. Right. Which I probably will soon. I do regularly. I think they just need to turn all the sequels into this, into documentaries... Hire David Attenborough. It's not terribly hard to hire him from what I can tell. And you know what? It probably would still scratch the same exact itch for James Cameron. Oh, yeah. But I don't know. Whatever. It's happening. <laughs> I guess. Finally. It came up because it's genre, uh, but this does not fit into our uh, podcast about liking things very well. No, this isn't the podcast about me actively hoping something will fail. <laughs> On that note, let's take a quick break, and then we'll talk about something that we're definitely glad it didn't fail. So we've been talking about this movie since, I don't know if since the first episode, but for like over 80 episodes now. So it was kind of inevitable for us to get to it. Um, also, holy shit, we've done over 80 episodes, but... Well, and that was able to happen because thanks to COVID, principal photography on this movie took over a year to complete. Which they usually take, what, like six months? For principal, less than that. Okay. Yeah, quite a bit less than that. Um, Just, God, like this movie 
has kind of been part of this podcast in its own way as we've been just waiting for our pats, our bats. And we finally got it. And we finally, you got finally it. saw it. Yeah, you've I've seen it seen for a while. It. I saw it in the theaters. Um, and then I actually had some some plans shift around this weekend in a way that I wasn't anticipating and ended up with more free time than I thought. I watched it twice this weekend. Jesus. <laughs> I'm probably going to watch it again soon. I watched it. It is Monday now. I think I watched it on thir- no Friday. And I had planned to watch it in two chunks. S- chunks. But I got to a point. Where I was like, okay, there's about an hour left. I either need to turn it off now or just power through. And the choice that I made to just power through is pretty much why I haven't had a full night's sleep in three days, like I mentioned <laughs> to you, because it just set the pattern. As much as I just mocked, uh, I mocked this at the beginning of this episode for being a long, long fucking movie, it does Because it's three fucking hours. Feel it. No. No, it doesn't. Credit to it for such a slow-moving movie for large parts of it. It doesn't feel nearly as long as it is. No, I I agree. Like, I when I when I tell people that the movie was overly long, I was mostly referring to the first time I watched it. Because watching it in the theaters meant I had 35 minutes of trailers before watching it. Yeah, that's too much. That fucking blew. That was terrible. Well, in three hours in the theater is just... That's going to be a lot. I mean, I was on my fucking couch. Like, I'm in my safe space. I do think it's funny that I'm like, ugh, a three-hour movie. Even one that I have been wanting to watch for two years. (laughs) Like, a three-hour movie. I watched fucking five episodes of Star Trek Discovery the other day. Yeah. Without hesitation. I know. I, I have that problem, too. I'm like, I don't want to watch it. I even get, like, balked at, like, a two-hour movie most of the time. I'm like, I don't want to watch a two-hour movie. I want to watch ten episodes of Big Mouth. I think part of it is it's so much easier to, like, one, just if you need to stop at any point, and then two, okay, the episode ended, pause it, let's go to the bathroom, let's get snacks, let's do whatever you need to, like, there's much easier break points than, like, I mean, part of the reason I watched this all in one go is I didn't find an easy... Stop point. Like, just the, the build-up and the mm-hmm. momentum of the movie didn't really allow for it. I also feel like it might be easier for some of these younger generations, because they grew up always being able to pause some of this shit. It's on! Yeah. I grew up, like, running back from the fucking bathroom. like Fucking vaulting over the back of that couch. Yeah, right. man, like, that is... I mean, in my case, it wasn't the back of the couch, it was the arm of the couch, because just positioning, mm-hmm. but yeah. Time honored tradition that i miss i don't for practical reasons but like but it's more baked in to do things in one sitting yeah and like you don't pause because there's a commercial break go 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 (laughs) anyway um all right how do we want to approach the batman i had an idea (sighs) okay because you essentially live tweeted it are you just going to run through my fucking live tweets? Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, we can experience this movie as Zach did the first time. <laughs> and take our points from there and then wrap things up uh, and talk about anything we may have missed. Okay. There's definitely a few things that we're going to talk about that I know didn't come up in that, but yes. All right. So we're going to start when you actually start. This is either going to be a really fun episode or it's going to be a train wreck and I apologize in advance, but... The Batman, a live thread in the comments. 
This was on Facebook. I need to start just using the General Nerdery Twitter account for this stuff. Trying to not prejudge the Riddler, but as one of my favorite Bat villains, I have doubts. Those doubts were verified. Who played the Riddler? Do we know? Paul Dano. Paul Dano. He does a great job at playing a villain who is super scary, but is not the Riddler. The Riddler is not a serial killer. So this Riddler seems to be based mostly off of uh, Zero Year, where he uses the almost exact same plan, Mm -hmm. except dressed up in much goofier costumes. Which is, well, yeah, Greg Capullo. <laughs> um, and I haven't played them yet, but I guess um, the in the Telltale games, so the Telltale Arkham mm-hmm. games, the Riddler is more like deranged serial killer. I just like it because he's the only, he's like the only Batman villain that's not a serial killer. He's a egomaniacal white dude, don't get me wrong, but like, I don't know, there's something so charming about the weirdo and the fucking green suit with the green bowler hat and the question marks. And there was none of that, like, obnoxious. Look, theoretically, with the way this movie sets it up, he doesn't have to be the only Riddler. Yeah. He could be the first Riddler. But there are already technically other Riddlers. Yeah. I just, Edward Nashton had no relation to Edward Nigma that I could find. Mm -hmm. And I know Nashton's come up in a couple of other things like that name, so... Uh, Joker wannabes was one of the best moves Batman Beyond ever made. Glad it seems to have happened here, too. I don't think they're supposed to be, like... Because Joker Maybe doesn't though. exist. I don't... Yeah. Joker exists. In this... Well, no, okay, he does, but, like, he hasn't... He's already been captured. Oh, fair. This is yeah, supposed to fair. be, like, late into the second year of yeah, I've known Pattinson two years being now, Batman. Man. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, I I always thought that the idea of a gang of wannabe jokers that the Joker can occasionally show up from and, like, steal you away and clearly never give you back because you're going to die uh, was a great setup. Because it makes sense that there would be wannabes. Mm-hmm. I mean, we get fucking wannabe jokers now. In that world, it makes sense that they would paint up. And you get, like, it's not an actual reference, but it's a visual allusion to Two-Face with the member that's coming in. Yeah. Uh, fight scene feels like the Arkham games. It fucking does. Dude, the fights in this movie, first off, turns out we saw almost all of them in the trailer. <laughs> there, you're right. It's not a lot of Not a lot fights, of fights. Which is actually a good move, I think. Like, this is a detective story. This isn't Bane is blowing up Gotham Stadium. This is... Mm-hmm. I don't know. I liked it. I liked. I agreed with that when I first saw you write it. Mm-hmm. And then I watched the movie again and I agree with it even more for a very specific reason. The Arkham games are some of those fight games where countering is OP. <laughs> uh, much like in Assassin's Creed 2, if anyone ever remembers going through like a group of 50 enemies only ever hitting the counter button. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, that's the only button I bothered with in a lot of cases. And also, when you miss that counter and they hit you, it actually seems to mess them up. I did not expect to see random street toughs hit Batman successfully a few times. And that's the thing. I Third time through, I started watching the choreography more. I kind of love that this Batman makes use of his costume and his choreography is almost all based on getting hit first. 
<laughs> and getting them within his range by doing that and then just fucking putting the smack down. I'm armored all to hell. I mean, honestly, it's a move in Belagarth mm-hmm. if you are armored up to just let them get that first hit in and land three others. Like, I might not get it first, but I'll get the last. Well, it's like that thing that we never see in movies, but when you hear historians talk about it, was absolutely the case of, like, knights in armor, you're not swinging a fucking sword and cutting through that armor like you see in the fucking movies. Mm -hmm. They're whacking on each other, getting in close, tussling, trying to shove a fucking knife in, or just clubbing the fuck out of whatever they can. (laughs) Axes can get through, yeah, but, like, a sword for the most part... Not gonna happen. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Very much like the Arkham games and the fact that it was kind of a lot of not counters, but it's a counter movement. Well, and most of the fights we saw was like six people on one guy as opposed to like one on one. Yeah. Our Pat's Batman voice makes me think of Will Arnett and Lego Batman. <laughs> it kind of does. And yeah. then we actually I got in a discussion on that one of who are the best not Kevin Conroy Batmans. I think I gave it to Bruce Greenwood. Who does him in Young Justice? Uh, non Conroy, I probably go with Diedrich Bader. Diedrich Bader also came up because God, Diedrich Bader's really good at it. Bader, I for my money, understands Batman's humor more than any of the other Batman. Possibly more than Conroy, even. I would absolutely put him under. I mean, he's also given the role where he's allowed to make the jokes more than other people. But it's are. not just being able to make the jokes; it's he knows how to and Mm -hmm. i think it's because of his background i I heard an interview with diedrich bader his parents were diplomats so he grew up (laughs) he grew up in rooms of people that were extremely high class that would make these jokes the way that bruce does where they're not making a joke to make somebody else laugh they're making a joke to show you how witty they are Ugh, that's obnoxious but it's pretty accurate (laughs) Ugh. Um, And he just, like I said, I think from his background, he knows how to be like, okay, so Bruce grew up in money. How do these people make jokes? Bruce being a feral, I don't know if I mentioned it in this stream, but Bruce being a feral fucking goblin in this movie (laughs) is just... (laughs) Goblin mode activated. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I didn't think of the Will Arnett voice though. Honestly, I didn't think about who his voice sounded like. I thought about more the fact that his monologues were very Rorschach-esque. Um, it, which third time through actually makes sense because I think there's something this movie's trying to say. But Well, we'll get to that at the end. Arnett, I didn't think of it as much after that initial, like, where I put that tweet because mm-hmm. I started to see what Batman this one was. But that was my immediate impulse, which I'll take Arnett. I mean, Arnett does a good Batman, and I'll take it over... Um, Christian Bale's Batman voice, which I don't want to mm. harp on too much because we've been making fun of it since 2009, but I'll, I'll take it over that any day of the week. Like Heavy long Halloween vibes. Absolutely agree. Oh, boy. Which I think was something we were theorizing from when they first announced who they were casting to begin with. That made sense. And I I actually read the uh, Loeb and Sale released this year, late last year, the long Halloween special or something. Mm. And it's just a little... Single issue that takes place, I believe, between Long Halloween and Dark Victory. Oh, okay. Uh, And I'm really getting the sense, because the way that they ended it, that I think there's going to be a third in that trilogy coming out. Oh, okay. Or or it will become a trilogy instead of duology. Which would be good, because 
Sale and Loeb do... I mean, even their most forgettable work together was pretty good, so... And I'm also just happy to see Long Halloween, because this also had some year one vibes, but... We've gotten kind of enough year one. We can, there are... Some year one, some zero year, as I already pointed out. Some, he mentioned uh, Batman Ego by Darwin mm -hmm. Cook, which I haven't read, but Darwin Cook is incredible. I read it during my second watching. <laughs> um, nothing we see on screen harkens mm. to Ego, but I think it informs how they decided to write the character. That That would make sense. Um, but there's not really anything like that's from ego. Fuck no, it's not from ego. Like, no, I just want to read it because yeah. Darwin Cook is fucking. No, it's great. really it's... good. <laughs> it is really good. But like, but I mean, other things you can oh, like yeah. point at the screen and be like, the. I mean, legit. Towards the end of the movie, the bombs going off is almost a panel from Zero Year. Mm -hmm. I feel like there was kind of a little bit of Year Two as well, but mm. I mean, that is a. Man, I picked that up expecting to hate it, and it was actually a really good story, despite it being... It's year two. It's a derivative as fuck name, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, owns the grunge very hard. Nirvana was playing! Yep. Something in the way. Um, Cece was like, man, this feels like something out of the 90s, and Nirvana came on. I was like, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, literally, she's right. The way that it moves, the way that it was shot, like, there is something kind of... 90s i mean in a modern take but there's something kind of 90s-esque about it i kind of love this gotham i do i like this gotham so much more than the nolan verse gothams it's kind of it's kind of modern but it also has touches from the late 80s through now and it's claustrophobic and it's got all that old architecture still like it's there's some joke about like there you get a tax break for every gargoyle you have in Gotham or something <laughs> like that. And like, I could kind of see it in this world. I think, okay, honestly, I think this might be my favorite Gotham. And then second favorite is probably like crazy ass Joel Schumacher Gotham. God, I love Joel Schumacher's giant Gotham fucking 500 foot statues and like, and Art Deco statues. Giant Art Deco statues and fucking uh, neon everywhere for reasons that no one understands. Like, it's not necessarily a great Gotham, but it's such a good superhero world. Mm -hmm. uh, this one feels like Gotham to me. Yeah. You know, I mean, not like Burton's did too, but Burton was such a themed movie. Like... That it didn't feel real. This feels like a real city. Also, it kind of feels like Gotham. Just admit you don't like the Riddler and use a different character. I'm not getting over this one. They could have used... I think I yelled about this. They could have used Hush. They even mentioned Hush. Like, several loud, like, Hush! And Tommy Elliot. His name comes up in this. Mm -hmm. Well, his father's name comes up in it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Edward Elliot. Oh, Okay. No, I agree. They made him more of a pastiche character that happens in adaptations. He is kind of hush mixed with Riddler, mixed with mixed with a couple modern interpretations of Riddler, one of which I actually have no interaction with, but I yeah. do know that. No, and then I'm sorry, this will come up multiple times across this. Uh and he does good, and I get it, but there it's kind of my same complaint as Cassie from Birds of Prey. 
I don't need you to perfectly replicate the character from the comic, but there comes a point where it's just a different character. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it can be frustrating when you are a fan of Cassie or Edward Ding. I would fucking hate the Riddler in real life. He'd be the most obnoxious person to be around. I wouldn't be surprised if there was an earlier version of this script that used somebody like Hush, Mm -hmm. but they realized that they wanted to manipulate Batman in a certain way that Hush wouldn't, but Riddler would. Yeah, and I think they're kind of setting up so that you could bring Hush in. That's the other thing. I think they left themselves breadcrumbs. Like, we don't have to use Hush. We can leave this as for the nerds. But if we want to, we set up the aliens. They kept mentioning, like, oh, man, we could bring in Court of Owls for the second one. And watching this, I was like, you clearly want to use Hush. But also, I mean, you could actually mix Hush with the Court of Owls pretty easily. Well, and it seems like no matter what they do, the second one's going to be somewhat mixed with No Man's Land. Interesting. Oh, yeah, I could see how with the cities a little fucked up after Mm -hmm. this. Uh, Very well shot movie so far. It is. Agreed. It's, it's a very, very pretty, pretty movie. <laughs> very pretty movie. This is a better depiction of Selena as an underworld player, possibly sex worker, unclear in this, than Frank Miller ever got close to. Agreed. Frank Miller can't write women, which is remarkable because he invented Electra. Mm-hmm. But there's this great fucking webcomic of, like, someone holding a gun to Frank Miller's head, which, I, yeah, I know, but um, being like, We've brought you here, Frank Miller. All you have to do to escape our trap is write one female character who's not a sex worker. And it's just like, pause, pause, pause. W. Pause, pause, pause. Looks at the gun. H. (laughs) Pause, pause, pause. Horse, 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 horse. He is so obsessed. He wants to do that grunge exploitation Mm -hmm. films, but he doesn't know how to write women and it has aged so poorly i'm told there's others like he created a character named martha washington in a book i have not read in the 90s that's supposed to be a lot better Mm -hmm. but like i don't know he made selena a sex worker and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that but it wasn't a wonderfully portrayed depiction either at the same time right this one I agree, unclear. A line uh, Arbat says later indicates that she was, it seemed more like her role in the club was as a drug pusher. Mm-hmm. Well, and he clearly thought at one point that she was sleeping with Falco- Falcone. Yeah. But that's more because of how Falcone was acting towards her. Yeah. Oh, God, it's so... Uh, <laughs> be nice to Alfred. Yeah. All caps. Yeah. <laughs> That's the lesson of this movie, according to my wife. (laughs) Be nice to Alfred. He puts up with so much of your shit, Bruce. (laughs) He puts up with so much of your shit, but does one, it just, when you stop to think about it, does not make sense. When he's trying to figure out the cipher, Mm -hmm. just, and kind of, it's kind of adorable because it's almost just like he's doing the morning crossword. He didn't just fill in the letters that they knew they had first. He started immediately and was only filling in, looking for other combinations of letters so they could figure out the letters, which is why he didn't see the fucking pattern before Bruce. Huh, okay, that's weird. 
I didn't notice that, but you're right. Um, who's your favorite Alfred? Uh, Goff. Uh, Michael Goff. I think the, he was the one through, uh, the, Burton through. Yeah. yeah. I loved him. He actually, I think you're right. I think Michael Goff. He does lack the, like, what, uh, he's I not a go be, get him. He's I not used a go to get be a fucking him. secret agent. Like, yeah. I don't see him guarding the Batcave with a fucking shotgun in the way that I do. All the others. Uh, all the, yeah, especially this one. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, uh, uh, Scar would have done it as well. Mm-hmm. God, I don't have actor names today. Irons. Jeremy fucking Iron. God damn it. You're right. Yeah. No. <laughs> Michael Goff was not an action Alfred. <laughs> he was just a very good butler Alfred. Oh, and he was so good at playing the sassy parts. Yeah. Sassy Alfred is absolutely essential. Him a pale boy out of the bat suit. Very true. Him a very pale. <laughs> also, uh, love that they gave him the fucking eye grease instead uh-huh. of it magically disappearing. I know that we had already seen that in the trailers, but... It fuck works. It. Thank yeah. you. Finally. <laughs> instead of it obviously being there, and then they take off the cowl, and where did it go? Uh, <laughs> his I haven't been out in public in three years hunch is relatable. <laughs> It's when he's he's going to the funeral of mm-hmm. uh, whatever forgettable fucking the the, the mayor. mayor yeah and he's he's pl- I mean because we're so used to Bruce being the playboy when he's not even um, Tim Burton's first one where he's not really sure how to play the playboy mm. he's still relatively like together and capable of talking to human beings at least on a small talk level. This Bruce is not. This is a Bruce. I mean, we already called him Feral Fucking Goblin Bruce. Yeah. Which. No, I got it. (laughs) (laughs) I get that the wingsuit is more practical, but the cape is cooler. It is. Agreed. I'm wondering if that's going to change over, like, if he's going to upgrade that over the course of as they give Reeves more movies. It is one of the things, I think it's one of the reasons why I liked Batman Begins better than Dark Knight or Dark Knight Rises, because... um, The electrofabric shit? Well, it was just cool. It had a little more openness to some of the zanier aspects of the Batverse, Mm -hmm. and this world is losing it a bit, too. Like, it doesn't have, you know, I love Batman fighting the mob. I love him taking serial killers. I love him doing detective shit. I am all here for that. You and I have talked about Zaz a lot, and Zaz Mm -hmm. is the least interesting character of all time. But I also sometimes want him to fight a crocodile man. Or glide with a weird cape thing, even though that's not how that works. Like, I I want that level of over-the-top that keeps Batman as interesting and from just being a fucking cop movie, which is kind of what the dark Knight was in retrospect. I get that it's an early prototype to who she will be, but I do not like the Catwoman mask. I was okay with it, but it's not my favorite. It was, it makes sense for what they're doing. And Selena's not Catwoman yet in this. Um, my concern is they're not going to let her become Catwoman. Like there's a lot of these, cause the dark Knight trilogy did this as well. Here, the characters before, they're quite there, but then we don't quite let them get there. Get there? Catwoman. I think Batman will at least get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and he's closer, but like, man, also, I don't know if I mentioned this. Who? This is uh, Zoe Kravitz. Yeah. 
God, she's good at this. Yeah. Yeah. She's probably now my favorite Catwoman. Yes. Even up against, because before, like, my favorites were Michelle from Pfeiffer? the 66. Oh, okay, yeah. The, basically it's all of them. It's hard to be Eartha Kit. Like, that's... Well, I mean, I I like all of them. Because mm-hmm. there was three. There was Eartha Kit. There Julie was, Newmar. Uh, Julie Newmar. And there was uh, Lee Merriweather. Mm. Um, I do actually like all three quite a bit. And basically, they were tied for my number one. But I think Zoe Kravitz just took it. You know, she kills it. Uh, I just was thinking about, like, oh, we're getting Catwoman in Dark Knight Rises with fucking what's-her-name. It was fine in the job, but it didn't feel... Hathaway. Yeah, Hathaway. Yeah, yeah. It didn't feel like Catwoman that much to me. I wish Kravitz would have had Hathaway's, like, cat mask thing. Yeah. I just let her have that. And I get She's not there yet. I have a feeling if she comes back in the next one, she'll have it. But, like, let her have the fucking... Let her be Catwoman. Uh, I do, however, dig this Batmobile. God, this Batmobile is so fucking cool. Muscle car Batmobile beats the Tumblr. Any depiction. I all Because the Batmobile should look like something that Batman... I mean, sure, he took the wild tech from Wayne Enterprises. I'm down with that. But it's something he made in his fucking garage. Like, when Batman makes his shit, instead of, like, at one point in the comics recently, he literally just had, like... Massive industrial 3D printers printing out shit ad nauseum in Wayne Enterprises. And that was too far for me. Mm. Sure, you're an eccentric billionaire, but like, you gotta make your own shit still. God, that fucking, that car chase was just dope too. And it wasn't even like the craziest car chase ever, but it just worked so fucking well. Have we had the scene where he escapes from the... I, I didn't mention it in our thing, but the scene where he escapes from the police department. And there's like oh, when dozens does, of cops chasing after him. When does that happen in the course of the movie? I think it's... Is it prior to this? I think it's prior to this. When they just all suddenly decide to fucking fire blindly up a stairwell? Yeah, and there's like 60 cops chasing after him. It made me think of the scene of Blues Brothers 2000... Mm. where or even first blues brothers where there's like 80 cop cars chasing after them and they just keep doing these giant car pileups i fucking love blues brothers and i have watched blues brothers 2000 way more times than it deserved but there were good parts of that movie <laughs> uh when they do the bombastic it's good but i need more of the weird side of gotham That's not what just the noir yeah sometimes we need a guy with a freeze gun it's one of the things Arkham did. Arkham was a little, like, too edgy in its visual design. The Arkham video games. You know, like, the Penguin has a fucking... Doesn't have a monocle. He has a goddamn beer bottle, like, mm-hmm. stabbed into his eye that they can't remove. Like, that was a little over the top. But, like, they did a pretty good job of... It's down and dirty and almost realistic. And also Mr. Freeze is there. Or whoever. Mm-hmm. Side note, Falcone being the Jesus from Big Lebowski is almost as funny as the chief of police being Blackbeard's first mate from Our Flag Means Death. Izzy. I could not remember Izzy his name hands. at the time. <laughs> oh my god, I heard that voice. I was just like, oh fuck. Um, the guy who plays Falcone is a really good actor. Who yeah, I, John Turturro. I kind of forget about until he comes up and stuff because like, I knew him as the Jesus, but I didn't place him until later and then when I, for a while I knew him as the guy from the Transformers movies yeah as was my 
I mean, I enjoyed the movie. My little brother watched it a ton, so I tend to think of him as the butler from um, Big Daddy. Oh, uh, he was also Mr. Deeds. Yeah, Mr. Deeds. That's right. No, no, yeah, no. The last Adam Sandler movie I ever enjoyed. Mr. Deeds. Um, And it's not good, but I enjoyed it when I was 16. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. He's one of those actors that's a really good actor who's really willing to be in extremely bad movies. Also, he's an old brother where art thou. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And God, that's he's a, good. That's another movie my brother fucking just watched a ton, so. I have a much better choice of the two. Yeah. Way better than when he went on the fucking uh, That Thing You Do kick. It's okay. I was obsessed with Little Nicky for a while, so. Release the awesome. <sighs> Cat bat greater than Talia bat. Not important to this movie, but a fact. I don't. I'll agree with that. I don't get why people argue for Talia al Ghul. I don't argue for Talia, but I do kind of dig that it happened and Damien also happened. Sure. I will give you that. And there is a pretty good story. Uh, Son of the Bat or the Demon. I don't remember what mm-hmm. it is. Mike Barr wrote it. At least we're not arguing for fucking Silver St. Cloud. Although I'll still take her over Vicky Vale. Yeah. Well, Superman's got Lois. Let's give him a journalist and like let's make her completely uninteresting and forgettable in the process. I did like Chase Meridian from forever, but that's just because I was very in love with Nicole Kidman as a child. Making Martha and Arkham is interesting. It is. I agree. And that was the part where I was like, oh, shit. I don't. Yeah, I had that same. I don't know if I agree with the choice. It was an interesting choice. I'm wondering if they're using that to play forward with as we go forward, Batman's insecurities about why he's even doing this in the first place. Mm-hmm. And questions of Batman's own sanity, which I mm-hmm. feel like are going to. Well, that's kind of what I was getting at. Mm-hmm. Like, why am I doing, am I doing this? Because I'm a fucking crazo. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Tyler. He's running um... around in a bat suit. <laughs> I think at that point, I, there was some, One of the Batman Superman animated movies, and there was a psychologist in the special features arguing whether the two characters counted as sane or not. And she argued that both of them are, in fact, sane, despite their strange choices. And I was like, I don't know if you're making a really good argument or if they paid you to say he's sane and you're finding approaches to, like, justify that. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to... Mix these next two together. That's fair. A couple of them. Uh, fuck, they could have just made him hush. Not this faux Riddler horse shit. <laughs> I had opinions, man. No, it's true. They could have just made him hush. Like I said, it's just that hush doesn't... Hush wouldn't be leaving him messages. You know, really, the problem I had with this, I hated... Or hush would be more direct, I guess. I think oh, is yeah. the problem. I just hated his costume so much. Like, if they had made him look a little bit like the Riddler, I think I would have accepted it a little more. But he's just... His he's weird Zodiac. fucking trash bag Zodiac bullshit? Yeah, like... Uh, always here for the Alfred dad moments. It is. That's one of the best scenes in the movie where he wakes up and Alfred has his dad moments. Uh, honestly, I really dig Falcone's place. That was one of the places that felt mo- like you could almost put that in Joel Schumacher's mm-hmm. Gotham. Like, here's this cool club. If you go downstairs, it's the weird, creepy sex club. But if you go upstairs in this like tower overlooking 
Gotham Harbor. It's got those big round windows and it's got the billiard table and it one, I would just hang out there. Like if I had to live in a city, that would be a cool penthouse to live in. Yes. I mean, obviously, but like, and it just, it felt like something that a super villain would live in, even though clearly Penguin is taking over it. Colin Farrell is such a good Penguin, and I never thought I would say that in a sentence. I do love, I I saw people post this online, but even beyond that, like, I had a couple couple people in my department at work be like, oh, I watch this movie, and they're, they weren't the people that would normally watch a comic book movie. Mm-hmm. They're like, you know, I wasn't doing anything this fucking weekend and it's Batman, like it's fucking cultural touchstone and yeah. all right. So I watch it and they were all like, yo, so Colin Farrell did a good job, but like, isn't there a hundred fucking character actors that already look like that? <laughs> <laughs> that they could have just hired in his place. Yes. But I don't know how well Patton Oswald would have pulled off the like kind of penguin he was playing here. <laughs> God, I want Patton Oswalt to play the Penguin again. He just did it in, like, one stupid video short. Um, I'm going to mix these next three together. Okay. I appreciate what a pathetic shithead the serial killer is, even if I didn't want him to be the Riddler. Weaponizing incels. That was the scariest part of the movie, where they uncover what's clearly just a fucking Reddit thread. I mean, not because it's like deep web, but still mm-hmm. and it, the the lines I have read people actually, you know, like, hey, guys, I just want to say, like, what this community has meant to me. And it's so important and shit. And like, it's time to go murder these people. And you're like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> the disconnect and violence in that. And like the line, like a rifle would be the best choice here. And I'm like, fuck, this is I have seen these Reddit boards. That's why the Donald got fucking kicked off of Reddit. All caps, retire the Joker for at least five years. I've upped it to ten since I wrote that. Uh, I will say, I can't remember who the interview was with, but Matt Reeves has said, once again, he could go back, it could be just a well-planted breadcrumb, that his inclusion of the Joker wasn't to set him up for a sequel. His inclusion was simply to go, Batman has been working for two years. I'll give it that. I just... I get why the Batman or the Joker is the ultimate Batman villain. I really do, but there's so many other good ones. And really, ever since uh, Dark Knight, we've just kind of had the Joker that, like, nah, man, it's good to see his point. I'm like, seeing his point has proved actively dangerous to society. Uh, let's see. End result: one of the better Batman films, but I wish they would allow Bat some joy. I agree with Snyder that Batman isn't unhappy in his life. So, uh, for reference on that one, Scott Snyder did a Twitter thread talking about this movie, and he liked the movie, but he talked about the difference between his Batman and this one is uh, that his Batman is fundamentally happy, even though he's going through dark shit, even though things are difficult. You, you know, he but he's not like I have made this great brooding sacrifice he's i'm the fucking batman and that's kind of fucking awesome (laughs) and i'm protecting this city that i love like i'm married to gotham let's like this is wonderful Mm -hmm. and i think that this this movie started to have moments of that at that bit at the end where he realized that he needs to be more than just vengeance that he needs to be a symbol Mm -hmm. i thought was really good that's where i was where i was going to eventually go with everything is especially after watching it three times first off i've liked it more every time i've watched it Mm -hmm. 
but I feel more and more like Matt Reeves truly does get the character and it's long and drawn out, but I think we're going to get a happier Batman if he gets to finish his trilogy. Mm, Yeah, I hope so. It's this one is just supposed to be early enough in his career that he had to learn this lesson. Mm -hmm. But the whole lesson is he has to be more than vengeance. He has to also be a beacon of hope. This movie did such a good job with that. It really does. Mm -hmm. As I said, my biggest concern is just, will they allow him to do that? Because, I mean, Batman Begins kind of did that, too, of, like, any, you know, the prototype, but will they let him become more? Because people like that dark brooding. Now, I will say, if they let him become more, I don't think it'll be till the third one, because they even like out loud say at the end of this movie, it's going to get darker before it gets better. Mm -hmm. So I think whatever sequel to this one is going to be even darker in tone, but I think we're going to see the character himself start to lighten. Yeah. Or if not lighten, at least become the type of person that you can imagine. uh, I don't know. Being eventually on the justice league. (laughs) Leaving his room. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean, though. No, absolutely. Because he's not there yet. And there's there's a really subtle thing where this movie reinforces that it's not just that, like, he has to be a beacon of hope, but that he has to embrace the fact that he is both Batman and Bruce Wayne. Mm -hmm. um, The Riddler uncovered the malfeasance within the fucking Thomas Wayne Memorial Fund or whatever the fuck it was called. Prosperity or something Mm -hmm. like that. Um, Due to his job as an accountant. The meeting that Bruce skips out on at the beginning of the movie was with the accountants. If he had bothered to look at this. Yeah. It's that long-standing argument that Batman could do a lot more good with his money just fucking buying people houses and Mm -hmm. feeding them than he does punching People. Yeah. Uh, Which Alfred and Bella Real tell him. (laughs) (laughs) And there is like, especially because it is a comic book superhero story, we have to make allowances for the fact that there's this guy who is going out and directly confronting justice. But especially in the modern age, we can't just romanticize a billionaire going out and doing it alone. Mm -hmm. Doesn't work because you know what? Because it doesn't help people. I also kind of weirdly love that nothing gets figured out in this movie until the characters actually do finally talk to each other. Even if there is still some subterfuge going on, you don't know that going into the scene because Mm -hmm. the movie sets up and it's the way that you're presented the information is it seems that the Riddler has figured out that Bruce Wayne is Batman. I'm still not 100% certain... If he has or not. Oh, he absolutely hasn't. Oh, you don't think he has? I thought he he had. No, 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 no. He hasn't. Hmm. Um, He actually thinks the complete opposite of them. He he finds Batman to be a hero, and he thinks Bruce Wayne is fucking trash and a poser. I do like the number of people who insult Bruce Wayne to Batman, and he's like, oh, God. (laughs) And that was part of the problem. (laughs) The Riddler assumed Bruce, uh, 
The Riddler assumed Batman was fighting for the people and was a man of the people just like he was, which was why he sent him a riddle that there's no way in the world Bruce wouldn't would have ever got because Bruce is not going to recognize a carpet tucker. Mm, yeah. I mean, I'm of the people and I don't recognize a carpet tucker, but <laughs> but you see what I'm getting at. Yes, like yes. he he was sending a message to only Batman. Bruce was getting it thinking that he figured out that he was Bruce. Yeah, that's fair. And was misinterpreting the, thing the where, messages that were coming at him. I think the thing where I was like, oh, it's a little ambiguous, is that scene in some ways is so referential to a scene in Hush, mm. in Batman Hush, where the Riddler has figured out that Batman is Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. That my brain was just like, yep, okay, that's where, it, but yeah. I just had this thought. Not just had this, but I had this thought while I was watching it. The scene where he does use the carpet tucker and pulls up the the carpet. Just imagine if he was wrong. <laughs> it's kind of like someone... I, well, he had me... been wrong about things throughout the movie. Yeah. Which but... actually weirdly reminded me of The Long Halloween, but... Yeah, uh, he's not quite there yet. Um... Well, he doesn't even figure it out all the way by the end of Long Halloween. Mm-hmm. It's never 100% clear who Holiday is. There's a couple of options at the end of the day. Well, there's multiple holidays at the end of the day, and he figures out two of the three, but doesn't realize that... Um, Gilda is probably mm-hmm. one of them. But also, Gilda's sanity is a little uneven by that point, so whether it's true or not is a little up in the air. Which is kind of like, we don't know exactly how things went down between Thomas Wayne and Falcone in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I was thinking, uh, pulling up, like, if he had pulled up the carpet and nothing there, and he just destroyed a fucking... Crime scene it was kind of like I saw a comment when I was I was watching the dart game scene from Ted Lasso on YouTube. Oh, yeah. And he's giving that speech while like mm-hmm. landing. Just imagine if he had missed one shot and lost the game while giving this giant fuck you speech the whole time. <laughs> like barbecue sauce. Bam. And misses. And they're like. Uh, okay, Rupert, I guess you get to pick the lineup. <laughs> yep. I'm just going to go now. Um. <laughs> also, insane continuity. 30 minutes into the movie, you see the shot from the front of the iceberg out across the street, and you can see Riddler up in the window. Oh, for fuck's sake. I'm going to have to look out for that. That's. I love that we get the iceberg lounge. I love that we get a little bit of this is a penguin that is more willing to be a... Mobster? I was going to say an informant, too. Oh. I mean, he's not the stool pigeon they thought he was, but, like... He's more willing to talk to Batman, but he's also kind of hardcore mobster and was, like, genuinely betrayed by Falcone. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, that... His his outburst seemed genuine to me, I guess. Oh, yeah. No, I think this is the Penguin that I wanted from Danny DeVito. And instead we got weird... We got whatever the fuck Tim Burton wanted to have happen that everyone else loved. So, like, more power to it. Pervy Moses, Penguin. Oh, God. I don't like the flipper hands. I just want a mobster. (laughs) I want to see the penguin. I would like to see the baby. Um, He's just fucking Werner Herzog. Man, years ago, Werner Herzog could have played the penguin pretty decently. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I'm trying to think what else there was. We haven't talked about Gordon. No, Jeffrey Wright did a good Gordon. He might be my favorite Gordon. 
It's hard to say because Dark Knight Gordon, whose name I'm always blank, even though he's one of the best actors of his generation. He also plays Sirius Black. He also plays oh, Dracula. Um, he's uh, uh, Zorn from Fifth Element. I started thinking about a completely different character for a second. Uh, Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman. Who are you thinking of? I was trying to, I was like, why are we talking about Michael Caine's Alfred? We're not talking about Alfred anymore. That's right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, Gary Oldman, who's one of my favorite actors, whose name I can never remember for some reason. He might be my favorite Gordon, but like this guy I fucking, feels more like the movie Gordon, not movie, the comic Gordon to me in, in a lot of I love that little bit where they're having to act like they're getting in each other's faces and they're actually just having the conversation about the shit that's going on. It's like, that's why you're going to punch me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then working. I love that Batman has one meetup spot for everybody of like the top of this building. Only two characters ever refer to him as the Batman in this movie. Gordon. I know. Nope. Uh, Bruce. And Alfred. Everyone else calls him Vengeance. I am Vengeance. Although Penguin does make a crack about him looking like a bat when they're doing the, all the rattle a lot of stuff. Ah, oh, fair. I hadn't noticed that. You're right. What's up, Vengeance? Oh, God. Well, and it makes sense because although we don't see it, that fucking gang beat down in the beginning, one of them pulled out a phone and was fucking live streaming it. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> oh god so there's that i don't know i i just loved it was a slow way to do it but i do love how that all played out the whole like you can't just be vengeance but vengeance being a motivating factor not just for batman but for selena through her story arc dealing with falcone and annika getting murdered and all that shit and the riddler's also out for vengeance Although more against the system. Why did the Riddler romanticize the reporter that got killed by Falcone so much? What the, now? Uh, so there was the reporter that dis that was... Oh, Elliot. I think it was mostly because he was the one to have dug up um, these secrets. And the way that they were revealing that, I was expecting him to say that that guy was his father. Like, mm. I was really prepping for that lineup to happen. And then it's just like, no, that was just a guy. No, I think he was just like, he was all hard for the fact that, like, look, it's even more of the, the upper class keeping secrets from us. And look, they might just all be crazy. God. He really just, that, his other arguments made sense. All of his ones against the Waynes were mostly that he just had a hate boner for fucking Bruce. Because... He got to be an orphan and yet still live a life of luxury. And you know what? If you want to have a hate boner on millionaires, I'm actually straight there with you. But, like, them having mental issues are none of your goddamn business. <laughs> yeah. Don't, yeah. Don't elect billionaires to government positions, but... Riddler's other things at least have arguments. It mm -hmm. starts to fall apart when it comes to Bruce because it's more emotional. Yeah, because he's an incel piece of shit. I mean... <laughs> Incel's not quite accurate because he never got pissed about women not fucking him as far as we know. Although I guarantee you no one did. <laughs> um, but that same kind of, I mean, he's fucking Q. Mm -hmm. But not like fun Star Trek Q. But like, 
destroying our democracy, Q. I, I don't know. There are just some good... Like I said, the more I watch it, the more I feel like Matt Reeves knows Batman. Mm-hmm. And I think we're just going to see that more and more as it goes on. And this fucking... The, in one movie, the most fleshed out Gotham we've ever gotten. Mm-hmm. It's cramped. It's interesting. It's You get some of the interplay of the politics between everybody. I think things are about to get weirder. That's part of what this movie sets up is that the old mobsters now don't have control. That's not the way crime is now. That Even is... the mobsters coming into power is the penguin. That is one of the most important aspects of the long Halloween so, yeah, that tracks. And they made it a big point to point out that, like, since Batman's been doing this, crime has actually risen in Gotham. We're just probably not going to get Solomon Grundy or you know, right. Poison Ivy, which I think is sad, but also whatever. So going for, I mean, I know that online the fan out, that like the fan favorite for the next big villain should be Clayface. Because really? they want to see somebody that hasn't been done yet. See, I keep hearing things about Court of Owls coming up That's next. the second biggest one that I keep hearing is Court of Owls. Well, and Pattison has said mm-hmm. that he would love to do Court of Owls. And yeah. I'm back and forth on the Snyder run. Um, I don't think it holds up as well as I thought it was going to when I first read it. I do think it is one of the most important Batman runs written. But the Court of Owls, like, that initial storyline is fucking cool. So... And there were a few places here where I don't think they directly referenced it, but it would fit in with the kind of Gotham I agree. that they're creating. And you could mix Owlman with Hush, like the, the uh, Court of Owls Owlman with Hush, or the Talons with Hush, decently easily? I'm not saying you should do it. I, I think they're pretty separate characters, but I think it would be possible to tie them in together i kind of just don't know if i would do court of owls for a second movie or if i'd want them to be more of a big bad at the end of like a trilogy it's hard to say court of owls kind of suffers from the same fault of uh bane mm. like amazing first appearance and everything but else where has the been fuck diminishing returns top that? Yeah. yeah so it's hard to say i don't know i I feel like Joker's going to appear in the third one, and I'm not excited about that, but, like, if you're going to do it, that's the place to do it. I kind of just want... um, I think it'd be neat if Reeves just kept Joker as more of a weird, like, Hannibal Lecter-type figure in Arkham, but then, like, third movie, do something like Hush Proper where he breaks the villains out of Arkham and that Joker and Joker stays or two because long even Halloween Hush was the one set up by him. Oh, that'd be kind of fun. Uh, yeah. Long Halloween also has that, like the, the super villains team up kind of thing. I think that would work well. I don't think it should be the dominant villain, but I think professor pig would work in this world exceedingly well. If you're still go- if you're going to still play it mostly crime noir like this one, then I I would even say bring back Rachel Ghoul to be his Moriarty. 
Rage could do. Black Mask would fit pretty well in this world, although we've already gotten such a good Black Mask that I would hate to see a new version mm-hmm. so recently. It'd be wild to do, like, Vandal Savage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I said I wanted crazy, so let's put in a 10,000-year-old uh, dino- uh, caveman. I think this world is built for Two-Face, and they mentioned Harvey Dent somewhere in this, I think. I'm pretty sure they did at some point. Early on, and I don't... I think the mayor mentions him on the phone in, like, the first scene, but I'm not 100%. I think you're right. I don't remember for sure, though. Like, it's like, that guy Dent or something. Yeah. Like, so it's a... It, it's a... Yeah. Fun fact. When he first appeared, his name was Harvey Kent. Oh. But they changed it because it was too close to Superman. Huh. And then they didn't use him for like 30 years because he was considered too scary. Interesting. Yeah, I don't... I kind of hope they don't use the Joker, though I appreciate him leaving himself that breadcrumb in case he wants to eventually. The Joker's presence should be felt in Gotham. I just... We've seen the Joker to the point that he had his own fucking solo movie. Like... Like I said, Clayface is... Clayface would be wild. Clayface would give me that kooky that I want. That little bit, you know, let's have him fight a mud man now that I don't... That's the thing, though. I think with this much of a grounded version... You can't really do a grounded Clayface. Make him the evil version of uh, The Saint. The Val Kilmer movie? Yeah. He's Clayface because he keeps assuming different identities using makeup and that can tie into, like, the thespian background. Basil Carlo... Really lean into that. I guess you could. I just like big, clunky... Oh, God. They're so... The Bat villains can be so good. I would introduce Harvey Dent next movie. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't turn him into Two-Face in that movie. Or if you do, he gets acided in that movie, but you don't... Two-Face him. Two-Face him. He's just fucked up. Uh, I really thought that was a mistake in Dark Knight to kill him in the same movie that you introduced him into. First one is Harvey, second movie, or I guess third movie is Two-Face. Fourth movie's Hush, fifth movie's Court of Owls. <laughs> I think the way I would do this, second movie, Court of Owls, you bring in Harvey Dent. He can help deal with stuff. Or mm-hmm. Penguin as the main one for the second one, with hints of Court of Owls. Third one is Two-Face, fourth one is Hush. Because that also lets you have the Two-Face redemption thing that you have during the Hush storyline that I thought was very well done. I don't know what fifth. I think fifth would be the one where you Joker. Yeah, and or you probably have to at that point. Mm-hmm. But five movies in, we're talking ten years down the road. Yeah, see, that's fine. Uh, and you have him break out the other villains, so you have the 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 scene we're talking about. Of mm-hmm. Look what Gotham has become. Or like every movie of different villain gets out of Arkham as sort of like a B-plot, and you find out that that's been the Joker the entire time, getting him out, <laughs> and that he could have left any time he fucking wanted to. And that's how you bring in Harley Quinn, too. Yeah. And then she kicks him in the nuts and runs off. Um... I don't know. It's all fun. Oh, I do want to say, just because I, when I said the words, it, it flashed back into my head. The them trying to figure out the whole uh, URL Rada Alada all of their fucking reasoning, like, it all kind of made sense, but it also reminded me so heavily of the 1966 Batman movie of when they figured out the Riddler's fucking 
puzzle in that. Do you remember that scene? I haven't watched that movie in 20 years. Oh, my God. They're just like, it's all the most, like, national treasure style jumps of logic. Like, and he said this. Well, cats drink that, so that must be Catwoman. (laughs) (laughs) Milk came up, so Catwoman. Yeah. Uh, Am it's I the only rap- one of us that speaks Spanish? I'm like, wow, this is not the Batman that I'm used to. <laughs> um, it's just like, you are El Rata Alada. They're like, a rat with wings. Like a stool pigeon. I thought yeah. that's where they were going with it, to be honest. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Most of the Riddler's things have multiple meanings. Mm-hmm. I read somebody was saying online that it was actually, his riddles are all set up actually extremely ingeniously. Because they all have multiple parts to solve, and you need to solve both parts to move on to the next one. And so Riddler, using that, can always figure out what Batman, what he thinks he's communicating with Batman, so he knows what he's going to be reading next. Hmm. He knows what he's going to be doing next, because Batman figuring out these riddles isn't getting him closer. It's literally just him playing further into the Riddler's hands. And it's actually eating up his time to the point where there's only one part of the plans that he actually foils. Like it or not, this is the Riddler's game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, I get you. Uh, huh. I think it's my second favorite Batman movie. I think Batman Begins still wins. Batman, that's tough. I gotta think about it. Batman Forever has that special place in my heart, but it's not a great movie. It's just fun. Yeah, I'd still put The Dark Knight over this, but I have a feeling the sequel might end up being my favorite. I could see it. I feel like this movie's since since the first time I watched it, like I've been ex- I've liked this movie, but have been more excited for whatever comes next because of how well they set everything up. My problem with The Dark Knight is it does a lot of conversation about police militarization, but I feel like it sends the wrong message where it almost comes out as pro-police militarization. There's kind of a, like, pro-fascist line to the Nolan films that I'm not super into. But that's, you know, whatever. As I said, Batman Begins is my favorite of them, so I still (laughs) like it. Um... Um, yeah, I think that's about all I have to say on this right now. All right, recommendations? Recommendations, I kind of mentioned it earlier. It's a long-time investment, but honestly, it's just a podcast. Kick that fucker up to, like, 1.5, 1.7 speed, which I do not listen to anything other than music at under 1.5 now. I don't understand how you do that, but more power to you. Um, 1.5 isn't bad. Going up higher is weird. 1.5 isn't bad. I, I I suggest trying it. You'll get through way more podcasts. Grizz does it. I, I did just, yeah, anyways. Over on Smodcast, Kevin Smith put up the five hours of uh, Neil Adams interviews that he did like six years ago with him. And they are just a fucking blast to listen to. The man was just an incredible, incredible storyteller. And that includes when he was speaking out loud and not just fucking drawing shit on a page. Such so. an interesting dude because it kind of sounds like he was a jerk. But also, he was a just passionate fighter for creator rights. And I I love that. I mean, he defined Batman in ways that we see in this movie, as I mentioned. Mm-hmm. But when he died, what all the creators were talking about was less how he defined Batman and helped create Ra's al Ghul and, like, changed the world of comics in that respect. He fucking helped illustrate the Kree-Skrull War. It's one of the most important Marvel stories ever. 
But what they talked about was his fight for creator rights yeah. or his attempts to unionize comics. And they go into a lot of that. And the fact interviews. that he pissed off Stan Lee for the rest of his life. <laughs> he goes into that and he goes into some of the things he wished he would have fought for harder for, but he was kind of absorbed in the work he was doing at the mm -hmm. time. I his, heard he was kind of a jerk boss when he was trying to run his own company. So I could see that, but that's, I mean, that's fair. Like you're not always, you don't always live up to your own ideals. You don't have to listen to him for very long to understand that he is a very opinionated man. <laughs> and that's part of what makes his story so good. Mm -hmm. uh, also, his daughter is the one responsible for getting comic books not printed on toilet paper. No shit. She was the one that like spearheaded the, the Cavacore. Instead of the fucking newsprint that they mm -hmm. were doing forever. And uh, one of Neil Adams' proudest achievements was he's the reason why Superman is listed as created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. And he tells that entire story, too. He and fucking fought for that. Those two are... He those fought two for are... one of them. Oh, he the, fought for Siegel? The other one is an asshole. That he probably wouldn't have done it if he was the only one asking for it. But they were both asking for it, so. Well, I mean, he deserved it either way. Mm -hmm. And also, so are you, Neil Adams. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> oh, is Schuster an asshole? That's a bummer. I can't remember which one he said. I think, I think, I want to say that he said Siegel was the asshole and Schuster is a fucking angel. But I can't remember for sure. Either way. A lot of comic, a lot of creatives are assholes. Mm-hmm. Mine are in the same line, but I'm going with some of their creative stuff. I'm going to recommend, and I've been trying to find a good copy of this, the Green Lantern, Green Arrow crossover series. Like, they, they two not great selling series, and him and Denny O'Neill put them in together, created Green Lantern, Green Arrow, Hard Traveling Heroes. Um, it's clunky. But it is some of the earlier attempts of, like, let's talk about real-world issues. It also is responsible for one of the greatest comic book covers of all time of Green Arrow screaming, my ward is a junkie. Um. One other thing, Neil Adams, the, it kind of weirdly reminded me when you brought up Green Lantern. He was the first, the first person in comics to have them use a brown shade on a black man. They had two approved colors before him. Before he did specify that John Stewart was supposed to be whatever shade of brown that, you know, he chose. Yeah. They had two approved colors. One of them was gray. And the other one, I forget its official name, but it was referred to only as shit brown. I think it's in Word Balloons that we did an episode about it where we really discussed how horrifically racist DC was back in the day. Oh, yeah, because we were talking about the uh, time Lois Lane became a black woman and dear fucking God. I don't know if that episode's <laughs> yeah. out yet, but... Uh, it is. Okay. Oh, yeah. well, the no, it's not. Okay, no, 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 no. The finale's not out yet. forward to. Yeah. Um, Although it might be by the time yeah, this drops. Either way. Either anyway. way. Listen to Word Balloons if you haven't. I actually, I really like that one. Um, and then for George Perez, God, fucking anything, his Wonder Woman series that he wrote and illustrated, uh, Teen Titans is what he's best known for. Um, but I'm also going to say his second Avengers run that he wrote with Kurt Busiek, which we actually read a little bit of over on New Byland for our, uh, Captain Britain, King mm -hmm. Arthur, Camelot stuff. It's it just fun. 
He's he's just his choices sometimes in costumes are Nightwing's disco outfit, and I get that it doesn't work for everybody, but there is something just so joyful about his work that I appreciate. That okay, bringing up Nightwing reminded me one other thing I wanted to bring up about the Batman. Uh-huh. At the very end, Selena mentions going to Bloodhaven. Do you think we see a Bloodhaven? And do you think it's going to be as big of a shithole as it is in the comics? I actually, oh god, that didn't make it into my thing. Um, she's like, I'm going to leave this place. It's beyond redemption. Maybe I'll go to Bloodhaven. I'm like, you think that's a better choice? <laughs> Bloodhaven's the place that Gotham uses to feel better about itself. I know. I was just, that was so fucking funny. <laughs> okay. Oh, God, Bloodhaven. I just had to bring that up. Okay. <laughs> um, cool. That's our show. Excellent. Thank you. Next time, we will be discussing Warhammer 40K. Yeah. Through the two miniseries that Marvel has recently published, because I'm just curious about those. And we will be bringing fellow Earworm podcast person, uh, the Yaga Malark, over to... Come hang out with us, which I have been trying to convince him to do since we launched this fucking podcast. So, so that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm so excited. In the grim darkness of the 41st I'm millennium. I'm less excited. There is only war. I will tell you things. I, I will make sure to have things I like about that. I won't just be a dick the whole time. I'll be a dick about half the time. Um, that works. <laughs> it's Warhammer 40K. Oh, in the meantime, this is General Nerdery. We're your generals of nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. Dismissed. Hi, everybody. General Tyler here. If you like the show, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us right now, or preferably over at Apple Podcasts, we would super appreciate it, as the whole world is around on algorithms, and we want to be all up in them, getting our voice out to more places. Uh, also, I mean, tell your friends, we always appreciate that. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us, ask us questions, give us comments, Email us, generalnerderypod at gmail.com. You can also contact us through our website, www.generalnerdcast.com. While you're there, check out all of our back catalog, or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network. Uh, Go check out all of our sister shows. We're involved with most of them, so if you already like listening to us talk, it might be in your best interest. And if you want to check out everything from the network, head over to earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. We'd super appreciate it. Love you all. Have a good one.